You're listening to Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles, episode 76, featuring Amazing Spider-Man number 220 and Uncanny X-Men 149 from June of Welcome to the 76th, it says 76 at the top of the script, 75th right here in the, in the script. I trusted the wrong bat. Welcome to the 76th, let's go with 76. 76th episode of Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles podcast. I am your host, Pat, a.k.a. DJ Christanos. <laughs> I will read what you put in front of me. All right, I am sitting in for Pat. I'm Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist. Uh, Pat is taking care of his wife as she convalesces. Things are going good there, so we're, we're happy about that. Pat, we hope you come back and join us soon. Now, Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles is a podcast. We were journaled the Amazing Spider-Man comic book issues read chronologically by their release date, along with another comic from Pat's comic book collection, either in digital, trade, or the many long boxes stashed away in Pat's basement. Each episode will provide a short recap, review, and rating of the issues for that release date, and the goal is to keep Pat actively reading through his collection and have some fun along the way talking about it with his friends. This is just uh, his friend's episode. So joining me, as per usual, is my brother in most things. It is Jason. Well, no, my brother in most things is Delvin. My brother in literally everything is Jason. <laughs> but we'll start with Jason the Weasel Skull Albrecht. Welcome back to LBC headquarters. I'm the brother he has to have. <laughs> yeah, you have, you're not allowed to escape about anything. You're I'm the brother he was assigned at birth. Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, things are things are looking up. You know, I've been I've been looking to advance my career opportunities, and uh, seems like there's some openings there in the underworld in uh, New York City. With uh, you know, it's 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 time to move up that ladder. Uh, yes. So we got to knock this out early. I got a heist to plan and and execute. I gotta I gotta stay on top of things. I, I really want to get that that slot. Yeah, you just, you know, there's certain things you got to do, but I, I admire your tenacity. Uh, Delvin, what comic book related bit do you have prepared as I introduce Delvin the Dark Web Williams to the show? Well, thank you, Jarhead. Um, I appreciate you introducing me like that and, and inviting me onto your, you know, quaint, cute little podcast. Uh, everything's great here. So thank you. Mm. <laughs> I'm sure. Sure, there's a bit in there somewhere that I'm not getting. <laughs> what? It was subtle, but I thought you might get it. Like I you let know, you down. I, your your name is Jared, right? But I called you Jarhead. It's mispronounced, mis- right? I mispronounced it, which is what Aunt May did. Oh, at the backup story, I got it now. I got it now. That yes, it's all oh the backup story. I can't wait to talk about that. That was great. And- and also, I, I need to leave five minutes before uh, Jason, but I can't tell you why. Right. Got it. <laughs> There's a lot of things going on on this episode. And uh, you know what? We're always here to listen to what you guys have to say for the episode. We're doing this uh, live recording with an audience. So uh, I'm sure my good friend Delvin will pick up any uh, interesting chats that come along the way. 
Uh, but for those of you who are listening to the recording, you can always leave us a voicemail that we'd be happy to play on the show. You can leave us a message at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Now, before we get started with this episode's issues, and trust me, we have some issues, let's take a quick podcast promo break, and we will be right back. New Warriors, come out to play. Play, a New Warriors podcast, is streamed live in front of an internet audience. You can join in on the live stream and chat every second Tuesday of the month on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Just search for and follow Longbox Crusade. Welcome back for the break. Now let's get to the first featured comic for this episode. It is Amazing Spider-Man 220. The credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics website. And I will do these as best I can to make Pat proud. We have Amazing Spider-Man 220 published by Marvel. It's covered in September of 1981. Its on sale date was June 2nd, 1981. Cover price 50 cents. Editor is Denny O'Neill. The title is A Coffin for Spider-Man. It's written by Michael L. Fleischer. The artist and letterer is Bob McLeod. Colorist is Bob Sharon. The title of the backup story is The Nursing Home Caper. It's written by Mike W. Barr. Artist is Jay Winslow Mortimer. Letter is Jack Morelli. And the colorist is Don Warfield. It's been reprinted in Essential Spider-Man Volume 10 trade paperback, Marvel Masterworks Volume 283, which was Spider-Man's... 21st. Yep, volume 21, hardcover in 2020. Cover credits go to Bob Layton. I hope Pat wasn't too disappointed. I think I had all those names pronounced properly. <laughs> no, you, you, did you did great. Um, I was, which means it wasn't like Pat. Hmm. I don't know what to do at this point in the show either, but we'll just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Pat. We love you, Pat. Uh, I guess I will pass it to myself for the cover description. Jared, will you do the cover? Of course, Jared, I will. The Marvel Comics Group banner is red with yellow letters, kind of reminiscent of candy corn. Spider-Man swings in his pumpkin orange corner box. The Amazing Spider-Man logo is ghostly white with blue highlights with the webs that almost make you miss that blurb that says a coffin four right before the Amazing Spider-Man. The main action features the issue's guest star Moon Knight as he throws open the lid of a coffin to reveal a seemingly deceased Spider-Man inside and a cover blurb states, guest starring the macabre Moon Knight. It was a Halloween theme case. I missed it. Got it. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I thought it was appropriate because we are recording this on October 8th. It is the Halloween month. And this book had a very Halloween flavor to it, I thought, too. So that's why I picked that. And uh, even though I know we're recording this October 8th, it probably won't come out until like January or February. So trust us, it's October when we record it. We record these things well in advance. We've told you guys this many, many times. 
All right, let's get to our cover thoughts. We will start with Delvin. I put a comment up. We're doing this live, y'all. I know we've mentioned this, but it's always great to say it again. From Billy Dunleavy, who said he loves this cover. Hashtag swoon. Now, I know Bob Layton is a uh, legend. I wouldn't say I'm the craziest about this cover, but, you know, then looking at it, I don't know, looking at it live cover, that's good. I, I have the issue here, you know, uh, that's, you know, my small bit of fanciness. And I do like Moon Knight, I mean, just in general, but, like, he makes for a striking image. And he looks really cool. Like, that. that's just a cool-looking costume. And there's not much to do for Spidey and, like, and it seems like it was introducing, you know, like it was going to be kind of like the spooky sort of story that was going to be told. And it was it's definitely setting the mood for that. It almost feels like one of those golden key covers, you know, you, like mm-hmm. that's right, that's right. Like, mm-hmm. I could imagine like, oh, that would be great. Like, I think this cover is good. It would be great. Could you imagine if this were like painted? Yeah. <laughs> like that, that very. Yeah, that. That very spooky, uh, dark shadows feel yeah. cover. Yeah. Yeah. That would be awesome. Like, I mean, as is, good cover. Moon Knight's good. Spider-Man didn't have much to do with it, but it is, it is his book, so it's good that they include him. Let's give it to Jason, see what he thinks. I want to focus on that coffin for a moment, gentlemen. If I go before the rest of you, that's what I want my coffin to look like. I want that <laughs> that purple, that sweet purple with the bright yellow interior. I mean, when I think coffins, I, I want to go out loud and in style like Spider-Man right there. In all seriousness, though, I think this coffin, this coffin, this cover really captured my attention. You know, and like Jared said, it's we're recording well in the Halloween season, so it's poignant. But it certainly is something that would have me pick it up off the rack. And it's almost like the edge of that coffin really bisects the cover down the middle and kind of on on our left as we're looking at it you have that bright vibrant spidey look that we're used to and then on the right you have the guest star that's the literally black and white of moon night and that's about all the covers that you get and it's really interesting the way that that's laid out this is a really good one interesting different than a lot of the ones that we've looked at before a little tongue-in-cheek with a coffin for Amazing Spider-Man, ghost storing Moon Knight, you know, a little, it's a little pun heavy, but definitely kind of a unique uh, flavor than what we're used to. So I like it. Kathy chimes in from the chat, says, I like the cover a lot. Definitely makes me want to read it. And it does say ghost starring. I didn't even realize that in my review of it, I said guest starring. And it literally does say ghost Me neither. Me neither. (laughs) Nice. What do you think nice. about it, Jared? I think I also like Prince's coffin. It's 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 very. It's very <laughs> I was gonna make the Prince joke, but I was like, is it too soon for Jared? <laughs> <laughs> nah, either that or Spidey is like a big LSU fan. You go Tigers. <laughs> One of the two. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's very different. For a long time, this was the oldest, uh, one of the oldest Spider-Man comics in my collection, and. I took it to a con, woof, man, a long time ago. It might have been the Heroes Con that you and I went to, Delvin. Ook, ook, say it with me back in the day. As I had Bob Layton sign the cover, that is my bit of fanciness. I have the because I was like, I knew he was going to be there. And I was like, what's the oldest book I've got that has Bob Layton on it? And that was the one I found. It was this one. And uh, yeah, you know, he's much more known for Iron Man and stuff like that. But this is um, a very mood cover. 
I really like the black behind the, you know, the coffin, like the background, the whole background is like this black. Uh, I, I, it gives it that macabre uh, feel. It makes everything pop even more, especially that white costume of Moon Knight. Good job to the colorist on this, by the way, too. The only problem with it is it it's a, it feels a little static. Moon Knight has a little bit of emotion with the with the striking like oh lines like he's oh, Spider Man, you know. The Spider Man looks a little stiff. <laughs> very funny, very funny. Yeah, I got a Bob McCloud printing. You know the interior. Yes, our yes. artist. Yeah, he did my orgasmic cannonball. That you- That's true. That's true. I remember that. That was an ordeal. Uh, <laughs> it was. It was. Yeah, speaking of Bob McLeod, I'm sure we'll talk about him in a minute. But man, didn't he do everything? He did like pencils, inks, letters. <laughs> yeah, Bob McLeod working on it. But you know what? We will get to that after we rate him. Let's rate this cover. And I have some thoughts from Pat on it. He texted them to me. Now, whether or not I'm going to read what Pat said or what I think Pat would have said is going to be up to the listening audience. But we'll get his thoughts and his rating once we're finished rating it. So uh, we'll go other way this time. Jason, let's go ahead and rate this on a scale of one to five. As a reminder, five means you loved it. It tickled your tummy feathers. Four means you really liked it. Three means you liked it. Two means you didn't really like it that much. And one, you hated it. Ruffled your tummy feathers. I think I'm going to be the, the high point on this one. I'm at a four. It really grabbed my attention. And even though Spider-Man isn't in his traditional Spider-Man pose, just to see him in that final rest repose, really, I mean, for a cover, you know, obviously, you know, Spider-Man's not going to die, but it makes you want to know what is going on in there. And to see Moon Knight, he just always looks kind of cool. So I'll give it a four. I like it. Delvin. Quick comments from the audience. Billy D gave it a... Four out of five. Heinz Coke gave it a four. Kathy gave it some weird number that I'm not even going to recognize because she knows the rules by now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of ridiculous that she put that number that's not a solid number. So. <laughs> ruffled my tummy feathers is what she did. Yeah, I, yeah. Her number ruffled my tummy feathers, so I won't read it. I give it a three. I think it's good. I'd say I'm not in love with it, but it is a good cover. And it's kind of a case. It did have Moon. It did have Moon Knight. Did have Spidey. Did have the coffin. But the mood that it was setting up kind of makes it seem like it was something that it really wasn't, which is a little bit misleading. Uh, not terribly misleading, just slightly. What do you think, Jared? You know, coming into this, I had it at a three. But I'm going to actually be two cool guys with Jason. <laughs> Give it a four. I think for two reasons. One, ghost starring. <laughs> that's that's just great. They got you with the pun. They got me with the pun <laughs> that I didn't even notice, and I did the dang cover description. And I think if we were recording this in any of the other eleven months of the year, I would have given it a three. But because it's October and it has such a spooky October vibe, I'm going to give it a four. So that's that's my nonsensical four for this cover. Ah, you keep an eye on that chat. I'll tell you what Pat said here uh, via the text technology. Pat says, I give the cover a four. Has a great Halloween vibe, and he likes the colors. That was real, Pat. That wasn't me. Pat is a sucker for colors. If you throw, like, purple and gold on the cover, it's at least a four for Pat. (laughs) They they are complimentary on the color wheel. Yes, Delvin. What would fake Pat say? Uh, Fake Pat. (laughs) Let's see. If I was putting words into Pat Val, uh, I would say... uh, uh, I'm a chump. I live on Chump Island. <laughs> I give it a 2.6. <laughs> uh, 
My Color's breakfast good. was a bowl of chumpios. Everybody loves Bob Lation, and that's, that's what I would say. Ah, okay. Bob Laotian would have been funnier, like he was from Laos. <laughs> All right, I got to keep this bit up the rest of this dang show, don't I? <laughs> Uh, only if I bring it up. <laughs> okay, well, it's going to happen. I just know it. <laughs> what are the odds of that happening again? <laughs> okay, well, now it is time to get our story synopsis. And for that, we go to Delvin. So what do we got here about this uh, coffin for Spider-Man thing, Delvin? Well, I am about to tell you. While attending a demonstration in radiology... High school student Peter Parker was bitten by a spider which had accidentally been exposed to radioactive rays. Through a miracle of science, Peter soon found that he had gained the spider's powers and had, in effect, become a human spider. A Spider-Man. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man. this issue is a coffin for spider-man the action does not open up with spidey doing anything instead it's moon knight thwarting a caper of gold bullion theft but wait he's stealing it yeah it's true but he's doing it for good reason see there's a vacancy in the secretary position for the national syndicate directorate think mob and moon knight a hero wants that position And even though he's tied for first in the amount of money stolen, not all of the mobsters are buying Moon Knight's heel turn. Now we get to Spidey. He's trying to sell some picks to Jonah and JJJ. It's like, get your butt, butt, butt out there and get me Moon Knight picks. Spidey and Moon Knight do tussle, but Spidey gets hip to uh, Moon Knight's plans and they all play along. But Moon Knight does win the competition, but the syndicate throws an extra wrinkle in the mix. Bring them the body of Spider-Man to prove you're truly one of us. And thanks to a bait and switch, that wrinkle gets ironed out quickly in like a page and a half. The caper ends. And also there was a quick story about Aunt May in the nursing home because who doesn't want to see nursing home capers? Aunt May faked a heart attack, y'all. <laughs> Back to you, Jared. Yes. It's like you finished your Spider-Man and then there's like an episode of Murder, She Wrote like right after it. And you're like, okay, I'll watch that. <laughs> I have to give credit where it's due because I want to say like, gosh, maybe a year ago, 12 episodes, 12 issues of Spider-Man ago, we made a joke about following the adventures of Aunt May. And I want to say it was Albert Elvis who said in the chat, you might just get your wish coming up. And I think this is what he meant. <laughs> I guess he knew karma. I guess so. Well, that. let's... Get to the bric-a-brac on this. Is this a first read or a reread? We'll start with Delvin. 
First read from me, Jared. Jason? First read from me as well. Well, as I mentioned earlier, <laughs> yeah, it's a reread. I ruined it. Oh. You son of a... I ruined it. I, it's, this could start happening more and more because this is like really where my Amazing Spider-Man collection was really blossoming in the in the back in the day. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Look what what's in the sky? Nothing. Nothing. nothing <laughs> Just nothing. <sighs> All right. Well, let's get into the highs and lows and the what does. We got a couple rounds of this. You guys know how it works. We will start this time with Jason. I'll give a high to the action sequences and and to the artists there. One of the things that I really like about the Amazing Spider-Man book when it comes to actions and and the fighting, particularly when Spider-Man fights a lot of opponents, is when they really showcase how he relies on his instincts and his agility to mix in with his fighting style. And a lot of artists can't quite capture it quite right, in my opinion. And I think think Mr. McCloud did a, a great job in here of doing that. And I, I, there's one panel in there that I really enjoyed where it shows Spider-Man kind of fighting with his style and Moon Knight with his style. And to me, that panel really kind of sold the whole book uh, as far as the action elements were concerned. So hats off to a good artistic rendering of a Spidey Moon Knight team up fight. I liked it. All right. Gotta love the cloud, man. Inks, pencils, letters. He's probably out there working the sales force, man, calling the shop, <laughs> getting the orders put in for all we know. That's right. Hey, get those ads in. Come on. <laughs> we got things to do. Somebody. We got Twinkies to sell. <laughs> Hostess cake, cream Philly. Anyway, <laughs> Delphin, high, low, or what the? I'm going to take a low on this only because Jason did a good job complimenting the high part. And that low part is we, we are on Amazing Spider-Man Filler Island. And I would love to know what the story is behind that, because it seemed like they were building something. We had a consistent team. We did the fright before with Lalira in it. And, you know, there's the storylines, you know, with the country singers singing, you know, the bad country and uh, Pete's apartment and all sorts of stuff. And it was building up, you know, he was curbing Debbie Whitman. Debbie Whitman curbed him. These are things that I like because it's spider stuff. And, but at, I will say this much. I did not mind the uh, original story. The original story was good. It was a good story and intriguing. It, and, it, and it instantly intrigued me. But the whole time, I had to kind of get rid of that potty face because I was like, mm, it's filler. It's filler again. Not just even. I mean, it's one thing to do that, you know, every now and again, like, one month and then you get like, you know, 12 months of good story or whatever or continuity. This has been about like month two or three when it's like, what is going on in Spidey world right now that, of course, you had to get Spidey out, but they weren't able to field a consistent team. Uh, so much so to the point that there was an Aunt May vignette. And in the comic book, it was the Aunt May art and story. It was almost indistinguishable from the hostess ad that they had in the middle of it. And that should tell you something. And it's not good. It is good. It's delicious. Not the hostess. I, I am not besmirching hostess. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. They're delicious. I just meant the content of the story there. That makes sense. Okay. The cream filling, the cream filling's delicious. <laughs> I just discussed this, Jason. I agree with you. I'm with, we're th- on, on the hostess front. We are three, two guys. Three cool guys, excuse me. 
No Everything chumps. else, you know, I'm, I'm alone on Cool Island, and y'all. Are on Island. <laughs> oh man, I, I definitely pick up what you're putting down, Delvin. I read this and was like, oh my goodness, this is filler. It really felt like not a great Spider-Man comic, but a really good Marvel team-up. <laughs> I was like, this yes. is like a good yes. issue of Marvel team-up to me. It wouldn't surprise me if that's maybe what it was. <laughs> they were like, hey, pull that over real quick. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, because it, it wasn't just the writer that was replaced. The whole team everything was replaced. So, yeah, it could have been, a, hey, we've had this one on the back burner for MTU for for a while it's just I cut think and they, we, it could be um but it definitely it definitely uh had that vibe and so i give that a what the because like on the i'm like delvin on one hand i was like filler boo but then i was like you know this is a pretty good marvel team up like so i'll just i'll level it out at a at a what the uh, stuff going on in the chat someone has claimed that little debbie's is better than hostess i learned the other day that the guy who founded little debbie invented the twinkie for hostess so that guy's pulling double duty and he's, he's so, so you know there's a story you know there's a story there too like he invented it but he didn't get the credit he felt he deserved mm. it's like i'll show you <laughs> <laughs> uh, just for that i'm going to make some 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 of those pink snowball things spongy and weird I'm not saying I don't eat them. I do. <laughs> They're just my last choice. Anyway, jelly I don't know where rolls, I was going with that. Jelly rolls. That's, that's the, that was, those were the bombs. Get those jelly rolls. <laughs> the jelly rolls are the best. What are we talking about? Oh, yeah. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get back into round two. I forgot who went first last time. Whoever that person was can go first again this time. Keep it going. I'll just go ahead and say my other high is J. Jonah Jameson. As I've said before, I'm kind of new to the Spider-Man books as in reading them in continuity. You know, of course, when you grow up collecting comics, Spider-Man is you, you read some Spider-Man. He's either guest starring in the books that you read or you pick some up along the way. But this is the first time I've really read seriously through this volume one run. And it just really cracks me up because J Jonah Jameson is just always the rain cloud that busts open on Pete's good day. And he does it again in this one. I missed the last the last episode with you guys. I wasn't able to record, so I went back and read, and I, I was cracking up when Peter was hoping that J. Jonah Jameson would give us some bail money, and Jonah's like, nah, get yourself out. And, it's, <laughs> and it just follows up here when he's like, okay, things are finally turned my way. I've got tons of Spider-Man photos to show, and I've got, oh, I've got all, you know, I, I've got, this is money in my pocket. He shows up and Jones like, I don't want your Spider-Man. That's yesterday's news. I want, I want some Moon Knight. And it's just, uh, spoiler alert, that would be my my silly Spidey moment. I, I just, <laughs> I cracked up. It's just like every time with this guy, he shows up. Just when he's thinking he's turning a corner and things are looking up, J. Jonah James is like, uh-uh-uh. So that's my high. Another great J. Jonah Jameson spoiler moment. He's just the secret sauce that makes it all work, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> just he really is he really is <laughs> he's both hero and villain and just like uh, he, just is, he is truly a, he's a truly a part of what makes spider-man special and stan lee has you know said so much about it where like any good spider-man comic book it's yeah it's gonna have some spidey adventures in it but it's gonna have some facets of peter's life too and what is more of a part of Peter's life? I mean, like probably with the exception of like Mary Jane and Aunt May, right? Than J. Jonah Jameson. 
JJJ has been there from the beginning, and there's a and there's a reason that he's been such a venerable character like he is. He truly is special. Well, you've got the mic, so keep going with your next and final round, my friend. Bob McLeod can draw his butt off. The artwork in the book was fantastic. It was a lot of fun to look at. And so that's that's clearly a high. If you're going to have guest spots in your book like they did, at least you're going to have somebody who's not a slacker. Like if some of you like Bob McLeod's on the book is like, I know that name. OK, I'll at least I'll read it. I don't know what's going on with in the mighty Marvel bullpen right now as far as Spidey continuity. But that's OK, like because especially like it's John Romita Jr., John Romita Jr. draws like three books a month. <laughs> like, so clearly he couldn't be the issue, right? Like it's it's John Romita Jr. So uh, man, I would love to know. But like anyway, the artwork, good. Like not good, great. It was, it made it very easy to look at. And so I could at least understand that even though it was a one and done, that it was a one and done I could get into. And I'm okay with that. What do you think, Jared? I saved my last tie for the second round because I really enjoyed the backup story. <laughs> May in the nursing home <laughs> crimes that go on and her faking a heart attack. And I just got a kick out of it. I thought this is a lot of fun. And it almost had like an Archie comics feel to it just a little bit. And I kind of like that. It so. truly did, Jared. It truly did. <laughs> So, yeah, I, and I'm, you know, I grew up reading Archie comics. I still read Archie comics <laughs> from time to time, and it felt charming and fun. It was just like, it's one of those things where, again, we don't, we don't know the history behind it. We weren't in the Marvel offices, but, you know, it, they were like, we got to do this filler issue. We don't have enough, quite enough page count to make it. Will somebody do a backup story? And, like, it, it felt like it wasn't like somebody was like, man, I got to come with a backup story. That that person was like, I got it. I haven't wanted to do this for a while. <laughs> and, uh. They just—it just seemed like that kid having, on the basketball court, just in the corner. Just just like, oh, put me in, coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, who was the bat? Oh, it was Mike Barr, Mike W. Barr. He wrote a lot of uh, Batman: and The Outsiders, I think, and some other Bat stuff back in the in the eighties. And Jay Winslow Mortimer on the pencils. It just—it came together. So I just hats off to a you know a good. It's it's filler, but man, they made the filler fun. And when you do that, I'm all in. Let's get into Silly Spidey. Jason, we know what yours is. <laughs> you got it. Yep. J. Jonah Jameson. Just... I got it. The, it's got to be the part where he was like, he was like, because he, because Spidey came in like cock of the walk, right? <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I wouldn't wrap fish. Did he say something like that? I wouldn't wrap fish with this. <laughs> I wouldn't wrap my fish with this. <laughs> oh, oh, man. It's just nothing better than Pete coming in on that high. And then this, here comes he's like, give J. me those Jonah. moon photos or you're fired. <laughs> Jay Jonah on the like, anti-aircraft gun, like, eh. it was like, oh, oh, man, that's that's a pretty bubble you're floating on, Pete. And here, I, just, I just got this pin, right? And then, <laughs> oh, I got, I, I have one that I thought was like, it's a silly Spidey slash a what the, where in a kind of baller moment, but like, if you think about it, it's a little bit grosser, like, Friggin' Moon Knight was out fighting crime the whole night, and then he like jumps from the helicopter and then glides into his pool, and then he dips into the pool and goes to another pool and comes up and just immediately starts making out with the wife. And it's like, man, did you shower? <laughs> <laughs> well, the pool, well, the you pool, know. he cleaned up on the on the swim. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Unless there's soap in that pool, Moon Knight was stinking. That's all I'm saying. Now you and smell then, like stinking chlorine. <laughs> and then she was like, he was like, you want to play some backgammon? I'm like, mm, back something. All right. <laughs> all right. She was very excited that he was home. She was. So that was your silly spidey, was the sweet, sweet life of... <laughs> Mark Spector. Yeah, the, the sweet unshowered wife of Mark Spector. <laughs> yes. Oh, I mean, you also have, he runs around with this dude who speaks with a very thick French accent and he's got a paper thin French mustache and his name is? Frenchy. French. Frenchy. Frenchy. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of thought went into that one. <laughs> I mean, they didn't even go Stereotype, Delvin. It's stereotype. <laughs> they didn't even go with Pierre or Jean-Luc. They went with French. But that's not even my silly spidey. I'm going to go to the backup story. I just love Aunt May calling that dude Raisin. He's like, it's Razor. <laughs> she kept <laughs> calling him Raisin. And I just love, love that the little punk rock guy. <laughs> it was Who funny ended up also being quite that, lovable? It was funny also. She was like, oh, yeah, I've had enough experience with heart attacks. I know how to fake one. <laughs> That's what every four is good. <laughs> it's like that's that's true. It's been 220 issues of Amazing Spider-Man. She has had 418 heart attacks. She knows what she's doing, man. All right, guys, let's get into the ratings. Just a quick reminder: it's a five means you loved it, tickled them, the tummy feathers. That is four means you really liked it, three means you liked it, two means you didn't like it, and one you hated it. Them tummy feathers been ruffled, and I don't like it. Delvin, right down the middle, out of three. Even though it's it's leaning towards that higher three, it's gonna it's not gonna get over four. You know, like sometimes we've had that filler episode where or episode slash issue where like it kind of gets high marks. Artwork was good here. The initial story was pretty good too, even though it was way too short and it concluded way too quickly. Uh, but there were things to like, and I think that's something that you would appreciate out of a filler issue or episode that it has some good elements in it, and it had good elements. Let's start to you, Jared. What do you think? I'm with you. I think it's a solid three, which is pretty good for a filler book with a back story to it. Like, again, initially I was kind of down on it and I was like, this might be a two. But then I was like, yeah, it's a pretty good Marvel team up. And I was charmed by the backstory, lofted it to a three. Jason. I'm going to round it out as with a three as well. Same reason as you guys. Obviously, it's filler. You know, it may even have pushed into four territory it's just like i think delvin hit the nail on the head for me it's like you know our starting rotation's been missing in action for a while and we've gone to the bullpen quite a few times and i'm starting to wonder what's going on like you you remember how we would complain and jared was the, the biggest one of all but it's not like any of us were like saying oh jared why are you saying this like keith pollard would do like great interiors but never did the cover or he'd do the cover and someone else would do the interiors it's like heck at least he was still saying i'm still around y'all i'm still here i was i was busy this month but i got one of them done and i'm still here keith Mahler, don't forget me and, and now it's just like i mean it's been such a, a while like who's who's writing the book again who's who was the main writer of amazing spider-man Right now, you should it was never Danny, have. I, yeah, it's supposed to be. Pause. I saw Jared kind of look and was doing. A, I have to think about this for a second. I forgot, and we cover this book monthly. I am reading this book more consistently than I'm reading present Amazing Spider-Man for Pete's sake, and I can't tell you who is the the normal month by month writer on Amazing Spidey. That's a problem. <laughs> he said for Pete's sake. <laughs> 
It's a winner. All right. <laughs> well, the only thing left, I think, is to go to Pat. Correct? We've all rated it. Yeah. So are we going to have a threes company? Let's find out. Pat says he rates it a three. <laughs> so anyway, as Pat rates it a three, he said, not much. Uh, I'm going to read it. This is what he wrote. Not much just Spidey teammates my up with another hero. That's that's what he texted. I'm not making that up. Makes I think they can say that, that too. <laughs> much sense as usual. <laughs> All right, let me decode that. I said three. I think he's saying there's not much except Spidey teaming up with another hero. I think that's what he's got going on. Like I said, it's Marvel team up. He said, "I enjoyed the Aunt May mystery backup story." So there you have it. Pat's thoughts. Well, he has been sharing with us. He's been watching Murder She Wrote. You know. Yeah. Pretty- Regular. We have that in common. Uh, he and yeah. I have both been watching a lot of Murder, She Wrote. Well, usually that's the end, but, you know, we've added the old Karma account recently. So I wonder what our friend Auburn Elvis has queued up for us in this issue's Karma count. Should we guess and see who gets closest again? Oh, yeah, like Price is Right, this thing? Yeah, yeah, it was let's Price think. is Right, this thing. Let's think here. Thinking. I think it's going to be a lot of karma because it ended up, like, doing a really, really big thing as far as taking mm-hmm. down that um mm-hmm. Uh, getting that book that helped take down a lot of national crime. So he didn't really fumble. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go with 300, 300 karma count. Okay, that I'm seems gonna... high. He's pretty stingy with that karma count. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say 100. And I, in true price right fashion, gonna go with one dollar. So I think you're both <laughs> over. <laughs> let's yeah, find I out. Think, I'm thinking I'm over too. I'm over too. <laughs> but let's go ahead. I'm sticking with it. I guess I'm your karma And I love it I can't get enough of it There's nothing above it Hi, Crusaders. This is Auburn Elvis. Have you ever wondered if superheroes can improve their strength by working out? Well, according to the 1984 Marvel Superhero role-playing game, they can. And depending on your current strength, it might be kind of easy. In the game, heroes gain and lose karma points for how heroic their actions are. Karma can be saved up over time and spent to improve a hero's ability scores. Improving an ability costs 10 times its current score. So, if Spider-Man wanted to improve his strength of a 40 to a 41, it would cost him 400 karma points. And to give you an idea of how long it would take Spidey to earn that much karma, here's the karma count for his actions in this issue. Amazing Spider-Man 220 starts off with a whole lot of Moon Knight action that sets up our story. Spider-Man's action starts about midway as he attempts to stop Moonlight from stealing the jeweled dagger. Our hero is going to fail at this, he's going to lose 10 karma for permitting the robbery, and then he loses 40 more karma for the public defeat that he suffered from Moon Knight. Now we do find out that this was all a ruse, but since the public at large does not know it's a ruse, Spidey is still going to take that hit. Literally. Uh, But he does get some photos of Moon Knight, so we're going to give him 5 karma for completing his photo assignment for J. Jonah Jameson. The story's culmination sees Spidey, Mooney, and Frenchie stop the lone gunman. That's 30 karma there. And then they take down the head of the crime syndicate and a whole room full of goons, which equals 40 karma for the stopping the national conspiracy, 20 for the arrest, and 50 karma for the arrest of all the underlings. Also, we're going to assume that the stolen treasure from earlier will get returned, so I'm going to give Spidey 20 karma back that he lost earlier. So, counting everything up, Spider-Man gains a total of 115 karma in this issue. 
so it would take him three more adventures like this to improve his strength from a 40 to a 41. Now this is normally the point where I would sign off, but since this issue also has a bonus adventure, let's see how much karma the actions of Marveldom's favorite senior citizen, Aunt May, are worth. The story begins with Aunt May earning five karma for fulfilling a personal commitment by checking in on her helpless nephew, Peter. Later, after Aunt Polly is choked and the dance receipts are stolen, Aunt May figures out that it was done by Polly's horrible nephew, Rodney. When Rodney assaults May, she quickly fakes a heart attack, allowing the Shriekers to gang up on him and beat him so mercilessly that Marvel didn't even show it to the young readers in the panels. Now, Aunt May will get 20 karma for stopping the robbery, 15 karma for Rodney's arrest, assuming he's alive, and a 10 karma role-playing award for showing us how flawless teamwork is supposed to work in a superhero story. So, counting everything up, Aunt May gains a total of 50 karma in this issue, which is enough to raise her feeble strength of a two up to a four. Looks like someone's been hitting the gym after eating all those wheat cakes. I'm Auburn Elvis. I thank you very much for listening to this karma count. Let's blow us another amp, Joe November. I guess I'm your karma. And I love it. I can't get enough of it. There's nothing above it. Well done. Well done. <laughs> that, was, that was great. And congratulations to Jason for guessing the, the karma. No, we're going to forget about that part. I don't even remember. Oh, we'll never part. forget about that part. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, that was awesome. Thank you so much for that, Albert Elvis. That was, uh, it's good to know that Aunt May is getting, getting, uh, moving on up. She's got them gains. She's got some suspicious powder going on on them wheat cakes. Like, <laughs> why are you walking up faster than normal, Aunt May? What you doing? She was like, <laughs> she was like Rodney. <laughs> she sussed out that Rodney, the turd. All right. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of this part of the show. If you've got a comment or question, you can always send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or, of course, comment on our X, Instagram, or Facebook pages. It's all at Longbox Crusade. Also on YouTube. We'll be right back. Whenitwascool.com is your source for the best in retro pop culture. When it was cool, features articles and podcasts on retro TV and movies, toys, action figures, pro wrestling, food, video games, and more. Hit the Patreon button to support us and get instant access to hundreds of premium podcasts and features. Family-friendly and fun. Whenitwascool.com Welcome back from the break, folks. Now let's get to the second featured comic for this episode, which is determined by our Crusaders Club members. Crusaders Club members get to vote on the segment using the online poll that's only available at Longbox Crusades Patreon.com page. As always, we want to thank our Crusaders Club members for voting to help determine the programming of the show, even though I know some of it is intentional just to destroy me. If you want to get in on the voting and all the other amazing benefits of being a Crusaders Club member, go to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade. For as little as $1 a month, you can help determine what each episode's second feature will be. For this episode, the Crusaders Club members have selected for my great torment, Uncanny X-Men number 149. All right, let's be honest. I've been enjoying the X-Men lately. Let's see if the streak continues. The credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics, and it goes a little something like this. As mentioned, this is X-Men 149, published by Marvel. Cover date, September 1981. On sale date, June 9th, 1981. Cover price, 50 cents. Editor is Louise Simonson. Writer, Chris S. Claremont. 
Esquire. Fun to be on the other side of that. <laughs> Penciler is Dave Cockrum. Anchor is Joe Rubenstein. And the letter is Janice Shang. And the colorist is... <laughs> Welcome back, Glennis. I saw that and I lit up. I was like, yes! <laughs> You know, I don't know there's Super a lot of Glennis Ween fanboy podcasts out there, but this is the one. <laughs> this is the one. <laughs> this is reprinted in X-Men Classic number 53. Essential X-Men Volume 3 trade paperback, which is how I read it. Marvel Masterworks Volume 90, which is the sixth volume of the Uncanny X-Men. Uncanny X-Men Omnibus Volume 2 hardcover and the epic collection of iMagneto that just came out last year. Cover credits are Dave Cockrum and Joe Rubenstein. Jared, will you do a cover description? Well, certainly, Jared. I'd be happy to. The Marvel Comics group banner is looking very Coolsville with its purple and white letters. The corner box is shaggy shirt green, and it contains the heads of Wolverine, Colossus, Fred, Storm, Kitty, Daphne, Nightcrawler, and Angel. The uncanny X-Men logo is yellow with red highlights. The main action features Wolverine, Kitty, Colossus, Storm, and Nightcrawler searching like Scooby and the gang through a dilapidated tech facility that's full of mystery machinery. Looming large in the background is the mysterious living dead creature, Mr. Garrock. He probably would have got away with it, too, if it hadn't been for those meddling mutants. Zoinks, yo. Garrock, you are honor. <laughs> Zoinks, jinkies, and indeed, it is just Garrock. It's not Mr. Garrock. Oh, I had a lot of fun writing that one. And Pat loves Scooby-Doo, so I'm sad he wasn't here for it, but he'll get it in the editing booth. <laughs> okay, let's do cover thoughts. We'll start with Jason. This is another good Cockrum X-Men cover. Probably not one of his best. I think the thing that really highlighted it for me this time when I picked it up to read it in preparation for this was the flashlights. The flashlights really kind of sell it. It shows that they're kind of in this creepy environment and... I think, you know, that's probably a lot of the motivation for your cover description. Yeah, I think just mm -hmm. from a creepy, cool vibe sense from the cover, I th thought it worked really well. I agree. Like, you're absolutely right. When I saw them, like, looking around with flashlights, I immediately thought, Scooby and the gang. Delvin. How often do you think on any cover do you see Wolverine with a flashlight? <laughs> <laughs> you can, like, hear it, like, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah uh, so yeah that was even seeing that was like at first it, it kind of was like oh, this isn't a very good post but the cover worked exactly as intended because i pulled it out i looked i saw all the x-men you know kind of looking you know benign not action poses and flashlight and then i looked up and saw like that half shadow <laughs> <laughs> so it worked it did because like that image of garrock was creepy as is all heck so i'm like okay that it was an effective cover and in that and that it did what it um was supposed to do that it set out to do and just as, as a quick aside i kind of like the old school marvel comic group banner that goes across uh the cover it just i don't know absolutely it's, yeah, just adds a little to the covers. Like, these are Marvel comics. I, I yeah. like that even better than the logo. I don't know. Just wanted to put, point that out. I'm with you. Like, when I'm flipping through a dollar bin and I see that banner, 
I almost don't. I don't even really care. I'm just like, I'm, I'm getting it. <laughs> I don't care what book yeah. it is. It just tells me it's of that era. That's fair. Yeah, yeah I do the thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a cool look. So, yeah, that's all I got on the cover. What do you think, Jared? It's a it's a mixed emotions cover again, much like you. Like at first, it's a little bit goofy with the flashlight thing, and then you're like, but it like does set a tone, and then you see the face. Uh, the one that I have up, if you're watching the the live stream version, I think this is from Marvel's digital library, and it's a little bit recolored. And I believe you guys have the originals there, but I feel like Garrock's face is even darker on the real cover as opposed to this digital version, like. Like it's bright blue machinery, like a darker purple Garrock face in the back. Yep. It's more purple on the right. cover. This one looks more blue. Yeah, yeah. This one's a little more evened out. And I honestly don't know which one I like better, but I will give them credit for their cool looking dilapidated machinery. And once again, setting tone, I can't help but think that even though these were on the stands at the beginning of September, both this and the Spidey one, I feel like they like miscalculated or something. <laughs> these were supposed to be the October ones because this has a Halloween feel again <laughs> to it. With the creepy eye and the flashlights and the dilapidated machinery. And it's just, it has a creepy vibe. And so as far as, you know, big action X-Men set piece goes, is that? No, it's not that. But as a tone setter, it's pretty good. That's where I'm at. Good choice, by the way, of putting the X-Men logo in yellow to really because uh, color wheel and all that mess. Yellow and blue do uh, like to pop off each other. So I, I think it really works. Not sure about the green corner box, though. Not, I don't know how I feel about that. I was just noticing that there was a lot of blues and, and purples and blacks in the middle of the cover. You've got the really colorful pop out pieces at the bottom with the characters and mm -hmm. the top with the mm -hmm. logo. That's an interesting point. And it does allow it for that one single eye of of uh, Garrock there to pop in the middle. So, you know, you know, I did forget to mention that it had a cover blurb in my write up. And it says, and the dead shall bury the living, which gives it an even more creepy factor. So there you have it. With that, let's go ahead and start scoring these. And we score it on a one to five. As you probably remember, a five means you loved it. it gave you a ring to swing from. Four means you really liked it. Three means you liked it. Two means you didn't like it. And one, you hated it. It turned you into a baby, which I believe got brought up in this issue. If I'm not mistaken. It did. It did. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's the baby thing. So, Jason, where are you going to go with this? This is a sneaky four for me. When I go and I look through my X-Men collection, you know, there are comics that really pop out, jump out to me when you look at those covers. Most of them have Wolverine on them. You know, there are some that just jumped to my mind. This one, I didn't really think about. And when I pulled it out, I was like, eh, three. That was like my first thought when I pulled it out. But then when I looked at it, I was like, I don't know if I remember what happened in this issue. Did I read this issue? What is going on here? And it it pulled me in. It made me look at it. And again, it was the flashlights. <laughs> like, why are they holding flashlights? Where are they? What is that creature in the back? When I first looked at it, my first thought was Sentinel, you know, like, oh, there's a Sentinel back there. And then I was, I, that's not a Sentinel. So it's one of those that pulls you in and makes you look at it more. So, yeah, sneaky four for me. I like that. All right, Delvin. It's not even sneaky for me. It's just a four because, like I mentioned from the start, it did to me what I think the cover was intending to do. I first immediately panned to the X-Men 
And sure enough, hiding in the shadows, very much like what happened in the book, was Garrock, who was undetectable and was up to nefariousness the entire time. And so it's like, ooh, and then and, and it gave me kind of a little chill, like, oh my goodness, it, thing looks creepy as heck. So it did exactly what it was supposed to do. Like, am I gonna put it on the wall? Probably not. But like between the Marvel comic books nostalgia hitting me in the feels today and the impressiveness of the cover and it did what it conveyed, easy four for me. What about you, Jerry? Well, as I mentioned, I read mine in the black and white reprint, so I get a real appreciation for the ink work. And I don't have the UPC label to cover that bottom left corner of it either. So I get a really full effect and I like it a lot. And I, I was kind of like, I think Jason mentioned when I first glanced at it, I was like, eh, it's a three. You know, we saw Dr. Doom and standing atop the X-Men and holding Storm like, and this can't compete with that. But the more I look at it, I think Jason's right. Sneaky four. And I think this would look even better blown up in a poster size, to be honest with you. Like if it was a poster hanging on your wall, I think it would have an even cooler look. So yeah, I'm going to, it's boom, boom, lock. Well, I don't know if we can boom, boom, lock, a lock, a boom. Cause I haven't looked at Pat's yet I've, for the people who are here. We can, while I look at Pat's Delvin looks like he's been keeping up with people in the chat. Yep. And Jamil says the cover is a four. That is intriguing. Uh, AU Kathy gave it a three said the covers for her. Uh, Courtney was a little bit contradictory because she said that she loved the cover. Was, oh, she said the cover is amazing, but then she gave it a three. Mm. So it was an amazing three, probably that high level three. So mm. we're about the same. Well, bad news, gentlemen. We are not going to open the door and get on the floor because Pat gave it a five. Oh, Pat loved it. Oh, but remember how I told you he loves Scooby Doo? <laughs> Yep. Yeah, and, 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 and colors, and colors popping out, and it does both those things. So there you have it. He said he really likes this art. He said this is solid cock rum, and there is an ellipse between the two, so. I don't get it. I don't either. No, me either. Seems childish to me. I that know. Grow up. No. You're making rum jokes again. I guess. And with that, let's get into the story synopsis brought to you by Jason. I'm hoping for big words. Cyclops, Storm, Banshee, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, Colossus, Children of the Atom, Students of Charles Xavier, Mutants, feared and hated by the world they have sworn to protect. These are the strangest heroes of all. These are the X-Men. Stanley presents The Uncanny X-Men. is and the dead shall bury the living professor xavier is certain that magneto is alive and preparing something nefarious there's your first word 
Looking for clues to his whereabouts and plans, Professor X sends Storm, Wolverine, Nightcrawler, and Colossus back to Antarctica and the remains of the evil mutant of magnetism's previous secret lair. Unbeknownst to our heroes, Kitty Pride, now going by the questionable codename of Sprite, has stowed away on board the X-Jet. Her teammates discover her near their destination, and a reluctant Storm decides to bring the trainee along instead of abandoning the mission. Storm and her crew return to a creepy, hollowed-out volcano lair that appears empty, save for the nightmarish memories of the veteran mutants who barely survived the deadly battle with the hidden base's former occupant. All is not as still as it seems, however, as our team is stalked and viciously attacked by a terrifying foe, and one they thought long deceased, Garak, the petrified man. In a desperate battle with the formidable foe, who is hell-bent on getting his revenge upon Storm from their last encounter, the X-Men use all of their teamwork and, with the aid of Kitty, are barely able to survive and vanquish their enemy. Our heroes return home more certain than ever that Magneto is alive, and going to strike at any moment. Back to you, Jared. Okay, let's do the bric-a-brac. Is this a first read or reread? We'll go with Delvin. First read for me, my friend. Jason. It's a first read for me as well. I've had it in my collection, but if I'd read it before, I certainly don't remember it. Well, then, it is a first read for me. <gasps> it's a, a beating rainbow. rainbow. What? I, I, was, I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared. I'm sorry. I wasn't prepared. <laughs> there we go. So with that, we will get into our highs and our lows and our what does, and I suppose we'll start with uh, Delvin, round one. What do you think, man? It's just Garrock, your honor. Just Garrock, your honor. What? A absolutely creepy villain. Useless, but creepy. <laughs> um, he had some good things, and this... Uh, Every writer has a feel, right? And this, the whole story felt Claremontian. And I'm not even talking about word count or anything like that. I'm talking about where you took, you had Kitty and she was kind of feeling neglected. And then she stole away on this mission that she shouldn't have been a part of, which means, of course, if you read any Claremont, that that character is going to be the cog that's going to be the one that actually breaks open the whole caper, speaking in Scooby language still, I guess. So it felt very Claremontian, like the entire story. And I'm I'm fortunate that I generally like how Chris Claremont sets up and structures stories, but you could kind of see it coming a, a mile away about how it was going to be presented. Not how it was going to end necessarily, but just how it was going to be presented. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly, my friend. I saw that coming, I don't know, a thousand miles, however long they traveled. I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> She's going to stow away. She's going to be the key to victory. Anyway, it's not, it's, it's not my turn to go. Just a little comment on yours. I'll reveal more on when it's my turn to talk. It's Jason's go. Yeah, I agree that this was definitely a continuation of Claremont trying to sell us Kitty Pride. You know, she's still new to this team, new to the comic book universe. Uh, obviously, as we're recording this today, she's a storied member of the X-Men, a leader now. But this was her in the early days, which is fun for me to read. But my high is really going to go to Storm on this one. I think as I was reading this, 
something popped into me and I've been reading X-Men for years and you essentially had Cyclops leading the team earlier when we started reading. And now you're seeing Storm step into that leadership role. And Cyclops was the leader that Professor Xavier assigned to the role. Storm is the leader the X-Men chose to follow and choose to follow. And you see that in this book. I see in the way that Wolverine responds to her, defers to her, and doesn't question her authority in the field. And it's a natural ability. And even the way, the empathetic way she treats Kitty Pride, when Kitty Pride's like, what do you think of my new costume? It looks like somebody threw up a bunch of Starburst all over. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and Nightcrawler's about to say what he really thinks, and she gives him that little shock with the, with the bolt of electricity. And she <laughs> says, you can't say anything nice. Don't say anything all. And then she says, they're staying like in, in his language. Do you understand? And he's like, yes, man. You know, she shows how she cares about Kitty. She shows how she takes her job very seriously. But most important is how the team reacts to her when she's in the field. I still love Cyclops. I still think he's a great tactical leader and everything. But Storm is very much an empathetic leader who understands her team better, I think, than than Cyclops maybe did. And that really came out in the book for me. So in a way, like first I want to say, like, I love what you just said. It was great. And to add to that, like it, it definitely shows you the different types of leadership because you could never imagine if Cyclops would have seen Kitty being down in the dumps or whatever, he would have been like, eh, maybe I can get Gene to talk to her or something. We got a mission. But instead, like Storm was like, nope, let me find something way to get her in the fray and let her know that she's still loved and valued and still a part of the team. And by the way, depending on the situation, neither of those leadership styles are bad. It, it, it's exactly who Cyclops is, and that's exactly who Storm is. And but it was it's so to credit Claremont, he has been developing Storm for years to be this person. She's always been kind of empathetic, but you can kind of be empathetic. And this is not a, a slight on anyone by saying this term, like, but it could be like flower child empathetic. Like, okay, I'm just generally empathetic towards all souls. And she kind of is, but she's also very personally empathetic too, towards each individual person. It's like, not, I love everyone. It's like, no, I love you. And I, this is how I love you. And I'm going to show you that I think you're a very special person by loving you in this certain way. So that just shows how awesome Storm is. Yep. hundred percent. I prefer Cyclops. (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, uh, he would have said, get the crap off and get your assigned uniform back on, young lady. No, you know, in all honesty, I thought about it. I was like, what would Cyclops have done? And I, I think it would have a much different outcome because I feel like he would have said, you're not supposed to be here. Stay on the plane. Do not get off the plane. We will be back. We will tell you when we're going to leave. Do not get off the plane. <laughs> we're going to go take care of this. I think his need to protect her would have overridden everything else, plus the annoyance of her. <laughs> <laughs> that's my guess just in in the cyclops headspace i think she would have never gotten off the plane and been told to wait there until they left i agree i agree with that um and, and maybe that's not the right call now that we see how it played out yep for safety reasons he would have mm-hmm. said stay on the plane and if let's just say that cyclops never left the team and he was here on this mission 
she, he, so how Claremont would have introduced her into it, like she already snuck on aboard and she would have gotten mad and it's like, well, I'm a valuable member of this team and she would have snuck out anyway and yep. done it. Yep. <laughs> Probably so. Probably so. No, I, I think as much grief as I give Claremont in all seriousness, I, I um, think he does leadership writing really well with different styles and whatever. And I do. Yeah, I've I've mentioned on this program many times. I really do like the Storm era, especially when she gets even more. Um, I don't know what's the word when she gets the Mohawk. Jaded is too strong a word, but a little she gets a little hardened, a little battle hardened uh, into the eighties, and and that's my favorite my favorite version of Storm and her leadership because, uh, like you were saying, Dolph, she kind of has a flower child vibe about her. She will lose a little bit of that <laughs> as time goes on because uh, leadership will do that. It'll harden you and. Um, yeah, it's good. He just writes a really good journey uh, of leadership, I think. So, yeah, full full props there. My high, I got a high for you guys this round, is uh, yeah, I was annoyed at the beginning because I saw the whole Kitty Pride thing coming a mile away, and I thought she was just kind of being annoying in general, r- rocking them roller skates. <laughs> she was not giving those roller skates up, though, was she? <laughs> no, but what I my high was is I was like, oh, okay, well, Claremont's doing a very cool thing, and reconnecting with something that we read gosh a year ago maybe the whole garrock thing and mm-hmm. and it was neat to revisit that because i remembered all that i remember the volcanic explosion and magneto has apparently had a hand in all that and i was like this is okay yeah this this he's tied it back in such a way that it made it easy for me to remember it and i thought that's pretty cool. Uh, so that will be my high. Will be his long term continuity. That's the <laughs> that's one of the benefits you get out of a of a deep storyteller like Claremont. He tracks his pins pretty well, I think. So I was impressed. And to continue the thing that we were mentioning with Amazing Spider Man, there's no drop off, right? And that's refreshing. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I don't think we've had. There may have maybe a fill like the one with man thing might have been a bit of fillery but i thought i was afraid this one was gonna be a filler issue when i first started reading it when professor x is going through his computers and and talking about their battles with magneto i'm like oh this is gonna be a filler where we're gonna get all the magneto backstory in preparation for the next arc so i was really happy when when it uh when it didn't turn out to be that i was like oh jared's just gonna have a field I, day I with this one. Too, because, I mean, I looked at the cover 149, so you know they're building to a, a 150 is going to be something special. So I was like, yeah, they're going to spin their wheels on this one. And to Claremont's credit, it's a little bit of a wheel spin to get us to 150, but it's it's like, hey, you know what? Let's revisit the whole Garrock thing that I kind of left that one dangling, almost pun intended, there. Um, so, yeah. It, it's he very clever. I think it is filler, but I think it's really cleverly disguised. Get a little mileage out of the filler. Filler. <laughs> it tied into the overarching, and they've been doing this for months now. Of and it's like okay, and so like it was starting with a it, the advancement of that storyline was okay. I'm gonna send y'all back to his old HQ. We, we I want to check that out. And who knows why? Maybe Professor X had a specific reason why he wanted the team to do that. And that's yet to be revealed because I don't believe I've read 150 before. So it's completely up to the Crusaders Club to let us know what we're covering next month. But uh, if we do read 150 next month, I can't wait to uh, find out why. And, uh, you know, Professor X did that. It'd be interesting. 
Yeah, it's double size, so I'm sure they're gonna stick me with that one. But anyway, and it's X Men. <laughs> double size X Men next month, baby. We'll see. Oh my goodness. Um, whose turn is it? Who starts? I think it was me. You. You I start. Go ahead. Go ahead. Delvin. <laughs> I started. Um, of course, it's like I started. It's me. It's my turn, Delvin. I have nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a lot left in this. Uh, no, there, there's not. Um, I, I'll just give a, a quick um, high to the action. The action of the book was also very good. Um, they did a great job of keeping Garrock in the shadows, but it was very fun seeing how delicate the action was. It was a good showcasing of Kitty's powers. I just, I hate the name Sprite, so I'll probably never call her that. I just don't, I, I get it. I know what a Sprite is. I don't like the name. Like, so Melodically, whoever made the decision. You make me laugh. <laughs> so when they went ahead with Shadowcat, yeah, like I like the name Shadowcat. Shadowcat's a cool name. Yeah, the action overall was good. It was cool how some of the uh, X-Men got knocked out of action, and so the other ones had to cover down on them and make up for those shortfalling. So it was a great team effort overall in order to defeat a very powerful foe. That was cool. Agreed and well said. Jason? We touched on it, but I really like how this issue shows the continuity of the storyline. We kind of open up with the X-Men still trying to repair the damage from the alien attack that Kitty had to fend off but destroyed the entire danger room in the process and so they're coming together as a team to do that kitty's still trying to find herself and i think that's an interesting aspect of it like a lot of teenage uh teenagers in general be teenage boys or teenage girls trying to find their own unique identity and really overdoing it with the costume and kind of the family dynamic and you kind of see them all bonding continuing to bond together as a team i thought it was interesting that angel was not in this book, he he really kind of feels like the odd person out now, which is ironic because he was one of the founding members. But in my opinion, hasn't quite found his footing with this new team. You know, and we talked about how we see Storm continue to grow as a leader. And then that action piece of it, you really it took the four of them, five of them working together as a team to defeat Garak, who's a very powerful villain. You know, I know Magneto, but not too much of a step down from Magneto. So all, all in all, I just I, I really appreciate the continuity, how they're continuing to develop characters. And it's something you don't even really see that much these days where you'll have teams come on to a hero's book or a team book and they'll stay for a while. And then another creative team will come come aboard and just kind of discard everything and start again. That seems to be the new uh, way things are done, and I appreciate this old, you know, this this older Claremontian style, if you will. Yeah, it's all right. So, uh, <laughs> I will add that you just mentioned the continuity, which I mentioned earlier as well. Like we're all we're all very pleased with the continuity, and I want to say the Garrock story. Maybe I'm wrong. Was the Garrock story a Cockrum? Might have been a burn. Can't remember. I think it was still because that may uh, maybe that gave the vibe too that like it just feels so connected because it was the same artist that did it. But I want to focus on the art. Cockrum and Rubenstein are are amazing. And again, I read these in uh, essentials, so it's black and white. So I get to really enjoy 
the pretty much flawless uh, penciling and ink work and just all the different things they have to draw from the tech to the characters to the you know dilapidated tech to all that so just you know we kind of raved a bit about the art in amazing spider-man earlier i want to really rave about the art here there's just you know i can i i have my my pluses and minuses with claremont but man his art teams just they give him the cream of the crop and if <laughs> it'd be easy to pick up x-men even if i wasn't the biggest on the stories and as you guys have known noticed lately i've been enjoying them more uh but it's so easy to pick it up if even if you just want to look at the art because it's so good it's really incredible so I will definitely take my second and final round with a high and just say this art stuff is is really solid. Well, with that, it's time to go into the extra mile. Who went the extra mile in this issue for you guys? Who stood out? Who had a day? Who was uh, living their best life? We'll start with Jason. I'm going to go with Storm. I know it's probably not the obvious choice in this book, probably not the one that Claremont was focused on when he wrote the book. But for me, I'm just enjoying watching her grow as the leader of the team and seeing the team continue to gel around her. She accomplished her mission. She got her team team out alive, defeated a tough villain, and lived to fight another day. So good job for Storm. Considered Storm as well, but she told a bold-faced lie in this issue. I don't know if you caught it. She didn't say it out loud. It was a thought bubble. But she said, I wish Warren was here. Nobody's ever thought that. Delvin. <laughs> yeah, he, she's an empathetic leader. He's just pathetic. <laughs> yeah, there, the the empath- angel hate continues on the long box. Yeah, there's empathy, and then there's just like no, like don't be don't be bleeding hard about it. Really, nobody. When I am certain that Robin of Batman and Robin fame can take you down. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Like, hey, I need a giant fan real quick. (laughs) Look, I got wings. I can fly. Then Robin just hits him in the face with the bow staff. (laughs) Game over, Warren. (laughs) my nose. (laughs) Even that trap that we saw in in that trap that the Doom set for him, it's just like, oh, all I have to do is fly better. (laughs) (laughs) Man, oh, man. Yes, the angel hate continues. Let it flow. One more, one more, one more, real quick, and, and then and then it's like, okay, here, here, here's here's your exercise. All right, you have to escape this room. Oh, cool. That, 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 there's no traps in here. So without your credit card, no. Ah. <laughs> what would have better is if Doom had like just panes of glass and like a bird, he just bolt <laughs> right, right into him. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Delvin, you had to pick an extra mile. Since Storm was taken, I'll go with Kitty. In that she has, in Claremont's own inimitable style, you know, she, he still has her as that gangly, clunky, awkward teenager. But she's starting to prove her worth out in the battlefield, and and she and I appreciate it on any number of things. I mean, she already did it when she took out. Um, I'm going to forget the nightmarish alien-like creature, um, whatever that thing's name was. She already proved her resourcefulness and intelligence and worth in the battlefield, which is definitely different from just, just run-of-the-mill intelligence, but she continued to prove that here against a more powerful foe. 
where she was outmatched. She didn't panic. She went ahead and did what she needed to do to save the day. And she understood her strengths and limitations. So all those lessons that Professor X and company are teaching her seem to be paying off. What do you think, Jared? I, I got to agree with you, too, on that, because I was just thinking about how she had, you said, strengths and limitations, and she pushed herself beyond what she thought she could do at one point. Basically held her breath, I guess, as she moved through a solid object for quite a long time. Lava. Yeah, Lava. Ah, yeah. This sounds cool. But at the end of the day, when I just think back on it and who had the big the big play, I'd say Storm. I'd say it's, it's kind of Storm's issue to be the leader again, so I'll be unoriginal just... Jason and I will be two cool guys and Delvin will just be a chump, I suppose. Kitty chump. I want to add, <laughs> I do want to add one thing just about the storm thing. We're, we're about to come up on 150. We discussed that. But so the cool dynamic of it, though, will be however they face Magneto under whatever circumstances, it's going to be with Storm leading the team. And it's going to be with Storm leading the team with Cyclops having to possibly take orders from her. So that's going to be interesting. Yeah, the, the two paths look like they are about to merge once again, which makes me happy. I like to see Cyclops be part of this whole mix em ups again. I did like that, though, where he's like, well, I've had this blindfold on, so Magneto probably doesn't know it's me. And Magneto's like, Scott, Scott, <laughs> hey, Scott. <laughs> Scott Dude, wear a visor. <laughs> that's how we, I normally we have, see you <laughs> we have fought like eight years at this point i know who you are dude like c- come on man are you stupid that's <laughs> uh, good times and then cyclops was like angel help me and then magnet was like really and then cyclops was like no not really. no and then it no, for both of our benefits <laughs> <laughs> and they they just laughed together <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, Scott. Oh, Magnus. <laughs> oh, that was a good one, buddy. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and rate this issue, and then we'll get Pat's thoughts on it, and then we'll be winding this sucker down. You know how the rating system works. One to five. Five means you loved it. Gave you a ring to swing from. A ring to swing from. I can say it. Five means it gave you... Five means you loved it, and it gave you a ring to swing from. I gotta give Pat credit for reading that over and over again. That's not easy. <laughs> Four means you really liked it. Three means you liked it. Two means you did not like it. And one, you hated it. Turned you into a baby. Scale of one to five. This Garak dead shall bury the living. Jason. Four. I really liked it. It's a bit of a filler issue, a teaser before the big battle. But it was really good. It was The environment was super creepy and cool. And it tied together the story really well. So, four. All right. All right, Delvin. I'm with Jason. I give it a four. It was good story. I would think that in modern day comic books that they would have found some way to have a splash page of Magneto in the on that last page, as opposed to just Magneto kind of showing up like, yes, God, I know, I know what you do. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't blindfold, bro. (laughs) (laughs) So other, but. Good story. Really good story. I am intrigued about what's coming up in uh, 150. Should we read it? I don't know if that's the case. Jerry. Well, I started at a three. Word count was getting ridiculous. Kitty was annoying. But the tying it back and the really solid art and just overall, it, it read faster than a, lot of, than a lot of Claremont's read for me. And I did enjoy it. So, yeah, I think I'm going to join you guys on a four. 
And we will see if Pat is going to have us open the door this time. All right. Pat says, open the door, get on the floor. Boom, boom, lock, 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 boom. He rated it a four. He said, this is a fun adventure. Great leadership by Storm. And by the way, it's just Garak, Your Honor. (laughs) I think we covered all his points. I think we did a good job. I think we are squared (laughs) away. I love it. So solid fours. And I, and again, I think another thing that bumped my three to a four is kind of like the Spidey one. And I mentioned this earlier in our chat. I think this was a filler to get us to 150, but clever filler. Like clever, tie-back, fun filler. And I will yeah. reward that. We are able to see the difference between... I mean, this is a storyline that you could argue has been building since the new X-Men hit the scene. Like for four years ago. You could argue that. It's just, but because it, it, it like they fought Magneto, it was a high pitched battle that like, the like the part of the X Men team thought the other part of it was of the, the X Men team were dead, and they thought Magneto had died. Like, and then this is a continuation of that story to where it's like, okay, we're about to fight each other again, and we barely beat this dude last time. We don't know, and, and, and also they even re- remembered like the whole nanny who had was doing the feeding thing, right, right. Yeah. So tightly wound story, tight storyline. Yeah. So man yeah. tracks his pins really well. And I, I and I'll add this last point of this. I can understand why now that X Men, as we start moving further along into the eighties, became the it book at Marvel, and Spidey kind of retreated into the background a little bit because. That continuity plus that spectacular artwork that continued allowed for it to develop into what it became. Oh, yeah. It dominated the sales charts from about, what, mid-80s into all the way to, like, mid-90s, maybe even to 2000. This is Marvel's best-selling book for, like, a decade and a half. And, uh, yeah, a lot of it has to do with, with, I got to give it to Claremont. Still doing it Claremont, as he's known in some circles. And that will bring it to the end of this part of the show. If you've got a comment or a question, of course, you can leave us a voicemail. We will play it on the show. Leave us a message at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. Mm. Pick up the phone. This is Angel. I'm saying it from far away. Picking up them phones. We will be right back with Crusader comments and your thoughts and the closing of the show right after this. We are Venomaniacs is the Venom Scythe official podcast for all of your symbiote news, reviews, and point of views about Venom-related comics, movies, television, animation, and merchandise. We are available on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, Google Play Music, and YouTube. Join us, won't you? Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the feedback part of the show where we share your comments, emails, questions, and shares in a segment called Crusader Comments. We are thrilled to kick off these comments with special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks that have joined our crusade. They enjoy early access to special long box episodes, voting to help determine show content, and so much more. So these are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much-appreciated support to the show. And Helica Wolf. 
Auburn Elvis, who's joined us here in the chat. Bill Beer. Blast it or stash it. Braxton or Underwood. Captain Entropy. Clark Westfield. Clinton Robeson. Dave the Battlewagon Collins. Ezra Gallo. Gary Viola. Gene Hendricks. Gerald Green. Jason King. Jason Lady. Jeremy L. Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman. I hope you like Jim Jarman too. Jim Meal. Joe Thomas. John Watson. Josh Strickland. Candace Ward. Kathy Bright, the MVP. Mark Ross, a.k.a. Cluck Trent. Matt and Lizzie Passo. Maxwell Traver. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick present. Rob Morgan. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Spidey 67. Spreadsheet. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. Tony Pennington. And Toronto Cop. If we missed anyone in our list, we apologize. Keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release. So if you're a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. Still, no worries. Just let us know that we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get it all straightened out. As a reminder, you can become a Crusaders Club member by heading over to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade. For as little as $1 a month, you'll get a little bit of access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Hold on. Wait, um, wait, what? Wait. what? What's wrong? I don't. It's not just a little bit of the access. Like, we, we don't do that angel thing where we're just hovering above. What? We give all. For a dollar? No, a dollar just well, gets you a little yeah. bit, right? A dollar no. gets you all the access. All oh. of the access. I'm sorry, folks. This is why Delvin normally does this. For as little as $1 a month, you'll get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come check it out. I thought it was a misprint, fellas. I'm sorry. Don't have any extra scratch laying around, but still want to help us out here at LBC headquarters? Please take a moment to write a review on Apple Podcasts for this podcast. Even if you just want to keep it short with just star ratings, it helps raise the profile of the show, and we will share your review on the next show. And we have social medias, shares, and retweets from Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles, episode 72, February 1981, where we covered Amazing Spider-Man 216 and Uncanny X-Men 145. Uh, We had over 200 likes for this episode. So we had to, like we said, we're paring it down. So if you want to get your name on here, you got to hit that like, share, and retweet. Or just give us a rating or something. Gotta get go a, <laughs> a little extra money. Give us a dollar. Give us a dollar. <laughs> give <it> a dollar. <laughs> I'll read it in bold. I'll shout it out from the rooftops. All right. We'll go clockwise again. And Jared, you can kick us off whenever you're ready. No problem. These are the folks out there doing that whole share and repost and all that stuff. And it starts mm-hmm. with Chris at BTO and Bat Books. He's what? back. He's back. <laughs> I got it like it. Oh man, that felt good. Oh man. It's, it's been a minute. Thank, thanks yeah. for coming back, Chris. Oh, I'm next. You're Sorry, next. I got so excited. <laughs> <laughs> we true we true like that. We actually aren't faking this. We truly do care. Like that you guys come back and pay attention to the show. Like we we genuinely do. So there's oh, that. Man. 
And we just got a comment, by the way, got to add this. Um, it, it's from Johanna Alberic, uh, who says that Jay is Jared's biggest fan. Jay is Jared's number two boy, though. So Jer- Jared's I, got some J- I was Jay's favorite. I'm sure Uncle Uncle Jason is a close second. I, I, w- I would hope so anyway. Anyway, coffee and comedy. You know, I shouldn't say anyway, because we, of course, value and love Clint Robeson as well. So featuring... Coffee and comics from Coffee and Comics blog. Scotty Cameron. I'd rather be reading comics. That's the guy's name. That's not. I. I mean, I would. <laughs> it's both. <laughs> <laughs> we have a uh, ch at. I'm not gonna even read that. Look, Montana State guy. I don't know. Ch. Thank, thank you, Charlton Heston. <laughs> <laughs> I like your comics. <laughs> <laughs> That's my that's my childhood best impersonation. Anyway, Timmy, Tim Price, Speaker of the House, Kirk Spencer, Jim Meal, joining us here in the chat. Omar Fall, Anton Masopust the Third, which is name. fun to read. Well, we had a couple of social media comments, and uh, Delvin, why don't you? Um, we'll keep going around the horn here. You just pick one, whichever one you sure. want. Sure, absolutely. Let's see. I will go with Scotty Cameron's comment who says, Amazing Spider-Man plays on double entendres on the word race. Well, it looks like the LBC has done so with Victor by having Victor Von Doom emerge as the Victor on an X-Men cover alongside Spidey cover with Victor on the blurb. Some Hello Zep moments with Jared and Jason. And so we had a whole discussion about what the heck a Hello Zep moment is. uh, And it was from the movie Saw, just in case you didn't know that, because I didn't know that. I don't know if y'all. I didn't know that either. I, I guessed it in the response. I was like, "Is this Sarah?" <laughs> and he reminded me that yeah, when when he reveals the big plot twist, "Hello, Zep," you know, and then he tells him the whole plot twist. It's all about big plot twist. Anyways, Jason, you <laughs> turn up comment. Oh, I'll go down here. I I don't recognize the. Oh, this is uh, Auburn Elvis. Okay, I see from my burner account. Auburn Elvis is living that kind of life. He says, "I know the plot point." of the marathon race, election race, got a few eye rolls. But consider that if Spidey had not confused the two, a whole lot of people would have gotten injured or died during the marathon. Maybe Madam Webb phrased things that way on purpose. I think I made a comment on that <laughs> somewhere on the show. And I actually... And I actually said that. I said that to him. I guess I, like Jason made that comment. You unoriginal bastard. And, <laughs> you know what? And Auburn Elvis came back with something that was very classy. Yes. Um, <laughs> said you guys steal from the best. There uh, it was. Yep. Uh, I wonder how many karma points Madam Webb would get. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that, actually, and it reminded me of The Matrix, the first one. How mm-hmm. in order for Neo to become the one... The Oracle had to tell him he was not the one. Right. So he wouldn't be, he wouldn't care anymore. He'd be willing to sacrifice himself because he's like, I'm not the one. So I can just whatever. And by being whatever, he became the he one. Became the one. I thought that was fascinating. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I guess I should pick a comment and I'm going to actually do a little bit of a cheat, but I want to give a shout out to people who have commented that, that um, we haven't heard from a lot and they're real fast. We had uh, Leon Angel Quintero say, Yes. And we got a big thumbs up from Stanley Alston and a big whoop from Scott Sarton. 
and Tim Brown said I had both of these issues. So those are some first timers. I just want to wrap in there real quick. Just people who are excited to see this. Like I said, it's got over 200 likes. It got shared a lot more than some of our others. And it was neat to see new names being excited about the comics in the chat. Heck yeah. Welcome uh, everybody who took time to do some shares and retweets. We really do appreciate that. Hope you stick around. Yeah. And you can call you can call us and leave a voicemail that will play on the show. You can leave us a message at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. I was on mute. Pick up the phone. <laughs> I, I, I was kitty. I faced through the mic. It's got, got bits and bits tonight. Hey, Longbox Crusade. You know, about... Spider-Man Chronicles featuring Amazing Spider-Man 217 and 218. I know that Hollywood has taught us that the women in seedy bars are supermodels in belly shirts and cut-off shorts. But Sadie is much more realistic. She's a normal-looking woman with some meat on her bones. And that's appealing to big guys like Sandman and Hydra-Man. They don't want a stick to be hanging out with. And she was so sweet to them. So i got to give big kudos to Denny O'Neill and John Romita Jr. for presenting Sadie like this and making her the star of these issues. Thank you so much, Crusaders. Check you soon. Jim Price, out. Hey, Crusaders. Captain Entropy here. This is about the Spider-Man Crusade show. I wanted to let you all know I've really enjoyed your coverage of Amazing Spider-Man and Uncanny X-Men, really this whole year. The area you're covering was great for both books. I loved those books when I was a, read them as a kid, and I get a kick out of listening to you enjoy them now. Two points on the current X-Men arc. First, I was unsurprised to hear that Jason really liked Banshee's work in this story, since it was someone from the British Isles playing secret agent. Second, you all questioned whether Doom would really take all this guff from Arcade. Well, you're an elite company. John Byrne questioned it too. And in Fantastic Four number 258, he retconned it away by saying that that Doom in the story, that wasn't the real Doom. It was the faulty Doom bot, 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 Doom bot, Doom bot, Doom bot. So that was it. My singing debut on podcast. Have a great day. Bye-bye. All right. Well, thanks to everyone for the likes, shares, follows, and comments. We appreciate your friendship and help in spreading the word about this podcast. I'll pass it on back to Jared. And that's the show. Be sure to check out the website, longboxcrusade.com, where posts will be made for journaling this crusade along with Pat's nudes. I want to thank Jason and Delvin for joining me on this episode. But before we go, where can the listeners find us on the internet? Delvin. Twitter slash X, D-E-E underscore R-A-Y-1977. Instagram, Delvin Ray. What about you, Jason? You can find me at Jason Albrick on threads or on Instagram. Jared. I am at Yard Sale Artists on X and Facebook and Instagram. You can check out my art at www.theyardsaleartist.com. And if you want to wish Pat a speedy recovery, or more so his wife, a speedy recovery as he's helping her out, you can reach out to him on the X slash the Twitter at Christatos01. That's Christatos with the K. And you know we'll be back with some more doing it live stream second Sunday of the month most of the time. There's always the Mother's Day month or when other weird holidays. You know what? Just stay tuned. We'll be around. We'll do these live streams on some Sundays. And they're at 3.30 Central. And we'll chat. And we'll have fun. And we'd love it if you subscribed to the channel. If you've not already subscribed to our channel, it is slowly, steadily growing. We've seen a lot of good growth. Uh, liking the videos helps. Commenting on the videos really helps as well. 
So get in there. Even if you're like, I don't want to comment, go to the comments and write, I don't want to comment. And that'll be fine. <laughs> Take a building full of people hostage and don't let them go until they like it. Yeah, it's that easy. <laughs> Subscribe. That's that's simple. Simple. Yeah, our legal department, uh, which is Laurel, just sent this in. Uh, Don't do, do not take a a, a building full of people. She wants to see me again, doesn't she? Yeah, she does. (laughs) Not not in a good way. Yeah, you have to go to the her department, Jason. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles. We miss you, Pat. And as always, you can email us, contact at longboxcrusade.com, and you can hit us on the X and the Instagram and the Facebook and the YouTube. It's all Longbox Crusade. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, take care, and please join us on the next episode as we continue on the Crusade to Arena Miss you, Pat. Feel better soon, Melinda. The intro music is provided by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You won't regret it. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. All right, time to get some X-Men. Let me shift over here and grab my... I read out the essentials. Jason's got it. Yeah, you got the issue. <laughs> Don't get the issue. <laughs> Look at them fancy boys. I got the black and white reprint. <laughs> That's as far as Jared goes with the X-Men. <laughs> it is. I have these, I have their Essentials Volumes 1 through 5. And what's weird is Essentials Volume 1, it starts like where we started. So like they just ignored all the X-Men history all the way up until basically... They're like, uh, let's see, when does Wolverine show up? Right about here. That's, that's where we'll start. <laughs> it's like there, there were like seven, eight years of history before the new X-Men. Shut up, you shut up, shut up. <laughs> Wolverine. What a weird choice to start the essentials there. But eh, anyways, that's how I read it. Until next time, uh, read them all. Um, what's in your long box? Uh, put keep your head down and your knuckles up until all are one. Uh, yo, Warriors Joe. come out to play. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Everybody, I froze.